Hey, this is Randy Robinson, and I'm the pastor of Everyday Church. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope this podcast encourages you, stretches your faith, and helps lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus. Let's do it. All right, let's jump in. So today, uh, I want to talk on the subject again of making room. Um, This really could have a lot of connotations. Um, And I'll just try to narrow it down for us as we move forward. Um, I said last week that I love this time of year. I lied to you and said I turned into a basic white girl and love pumpkin spice. None of that's true. Uh, But I do love this time of year. That part was true. Um, For me, there's just so many emotions that accompany this time of year. You know, I'm looking back on the current year that we're in, thinking about what God has done in us and through, through us and around us. And the past couple of years, I don't know about you, but I was glad when they were coming to an end. Uh, And then I begin to look forward to the new year and I begin to anticipate the holidays. Anyone else looking forward to the holidays? Nobody. That's okay. Uh, That's awesome. (laughs) Um, Maybe maybe you're not there yet mentally, but 2022 is literally only a few weeks away. And uh, we're going to blink. Halloween will be over, followed by Thanksgiving and then Christmas. And uh, for those of you with small kids like me and uh, just the holiday season is just especially meaningful. You know, we listened to Feliz Navidad on Alexa till June or July this year. <laughs> it was like the boys are just like, Alexa, play Feliz Navidad. <laughs> and they get mad, Alexa, Feliz Navidad. I'm like, dude, she doesn't know what you're saying. Nobody does. But... Um, <laughs> But the excitement, the joy, the anticipation of the holidays, they just produce so much fun. Maybe you're wondering why I'm talking about the holidays and the New Year so early. Listen, I believe that God wants to do something significant in our lives. And I said last week that my prayer is that God will wreck us from the ground up, that there would be a complete destruction and restruction of our lives, the way that we think, the way that we act, the way that we live. And I'm just I'm so excited about what I feel that God is going to do that. I just I really just don't want to wait until the new year. Uh, Many of you will make resolutions and set goals. But if we wait until January to ask God what he wants to do in our lives, then we, we will have lost a lot of time. I mean, last week, as we closed the winning culture series, we opened up the topic of what we called loving union. And I'm not going to expand on that topic much more today, although I feel like we will revisit that as we move into uh, 22. If you missed it, I would encourage you to download the podcast or catch it on YouTube because the content is potentially just life changing. Uh, The short definition is this. A loving union is to lovingly allow God to have full access to our lives. Full access, complete. Anywhere he wants to go, anything he wants to do, we give him full access Jesus said in Revelation 3.20, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him, with, eat with that person and they with me. See, when we're in loving union, we don't just open the door. We keep the door wide open. We allow the will of the Father to have full access to every aspect of our lives. Okay, so what does this have to do with anything? As we move toward the new year, I want to invite God into the process of my goals and my future. What is it that He wants to change in me? I mean, the truth is, we spend a lot of time trying to get better and be better and do better. But what would happen if we actually invited Jesus into those efforts? 
I'm not talking about some superficial, oh God, would you bless my efforts to try to change. I'm talking about genuine, loving union, the kind of prayer that says, God, whatever you want to do. A prayer that goes beyond the superficial and into the supernatural. And aren't you tired of trivial, depthless faith? I mean, unless you're new to church in general, we've all heard enough sermons to sink a battleship. But if we're brutally honest, most of us can barely tell of a handful of meaningful moments from any of those sermons. You don't have to amen so loud, Pastor David. (laughs) I mean, if we didn't preach in series format, we wouldn't even remember what we talked about the week before. Let's be honest, I don't really want that anymore. The reason that we can't move beyond surface level change is because we're living a life of surface level Christianity. Most people I know, and we were just, you know, I was just saying this a minute ago, but most people that I know have deep, deep spiritual and emotional wounds. Sometimes we don't even realize that they are there. But not knowing something there, it doesn't, it doesn't change the fact that it still affects you. We all know people or have at least heard stories of people who were seemingly fine one day and the next day they're fighting for their life because of a stroke or heart attack or cancer. Not knowing that there are blockages in your heart doesn't keep it from affecting you. And in the physical realm, I mean, in Florida, we know about the, the phenomenon of sinkholes. Right? There are things going on underneath the surface that affect the surface level. In his book, Ordering Your Private World, Gordon MacDonald says this regarding sinkholes. He says, sinkholes occur, scientists say, when underground streams drain away during seasons of drought, causing the ground at the surface to lose its underlying support. Suddenly, everything simply caves in, leaving people with a frightening suspicion that nothing, not even the earth beneath their feet, was trustworthy. See, these deep wounds that Jesus desperately wants to heal, by the way. They affect us. But until we're willing to do the hard work of going deep below the surface in our faith, we'll continue to experience sporadic freedom at best. Cultivating this kind of relationship with God, it can't be hurried or rushed. And that's why I'm reverencing the new year now. Let's invest time, the time necessary, to truly discern the voice of the Lord. Let's allow Him full and complete, uninhibited access into our lives. Again, aren't you ready for something deeper? I'm ready to move from head knowledge to heart knowledge. We already have so much information. We say we believe it, but it really doesn't matter what we say we believe or even what we know in our heads to be true because you can always tell what someone believes by their behavior. And while we say that we're committed to deepening our faith and we're committed to life change and we're committed to Christ, our behavior often unfortunately says otherwise. I want to go back to a passage of Scripture that we read uh, in February during our introduction to the forward uh, theme for our year. But in 2 Kings chapter 4, beginning in verse 8, and this is the story of the Shunammite woman. Some of you will remember uh, we did a pretty lengthy message, or uh, we read that entire lengthy passage, a lot of verses. We're only going to read a few today. Uh, 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8, it says, One day Elisha went to Shunem, and a well-to-do woman was there who urged him to stay for a meal. 
And so whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. And she said to her husband, I know that this man who often comes our way is a holy man of God. Let's make a small room on the roof and put in it a bed and a table, a chair and a lamp for him. Then he can stay there whenever he comes to us. So what do we know about this woman? The Bible says she was a well-to-do woman. Uh, Some versions call her prominent. In other words, she had money. She had influence. She was important. She clearly has a heart for the things of God. She has the heart of a servant. She goes out of her way to provide a meal for the man of God every time he comes into town. We know that she is what we would call one of our core values here, spirit-led. Because in verse 9, when it says that she said to her husband, I know that this is a holy man of God, the word know there is actually to perceive or to discern. The Apostle Paul would later describe discernment as a gift of the Holy Spirit. And she clearly has a heart of generosity. She not only cooks for the man of God, but she then uses her wealth to build him a room to stay in anytime Elisha comes to town. This lady is using her resources to further the kingdom of God. But of all of the things that we know about her, this is possibly the most important. She made space, she made room for the presence of God in her life. She used her resources and her gifts and the blessings that God had given her to make room for the presence of God to be in her house. And I wonder how many of us have hindered our healing or our miracle because we simply refuse to make room for the Holy Spirit to move in our lives. When the Holy Spirit is passing by, instead of pursuing Him, instead of chasing Him and cooking Him a meal, instead of using our financial resources to invest in kingdom causes, we just simply let Him walk on by. It reminds me of this New Testament story of uh, Zacchaeus. Before I read it, uh, the story of Zacchaeus, I want to read one verse of Scripture from the prophet Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 5, verse 8, and we're going to reference this a few times. He says, Woe to you who add house to house and join field to field till no space is left and you live alone in the land. Woe to you who just keep piling and piling. There's no room for the presence of the Lord. Fast forward to Zacchaeus, Luke chapter 19. Beginning in verse 1, it says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was because he was short. He could not oversee or could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. And when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up. And he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and they began to mutter. That word means to grumble or complain. He said, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. Talking about Jesus. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because the man, this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. What's happening in this passage of Scripture? Zacchaeus is the chief tax collector. He's very wealthy. He's hated by the people. 
The implication is, is that he cheats the people, skims off the top to make extra money. In essence, he has filled his life with wealth and has no room for anything else. Remember Isaiah, woe to you who build house upon house, land upon land, and you have no space left, so you live alone. Just like the Shunammite woman, Zacchaeus is pursuing the presence of God. He's doing whatever it takes to get where Jesus is. And I think it's worth quickly noting. It says that Jesus entered Jericho. Jericho literally means place of fragrance. All throughout Scripture, we see a correlation between fragrance and worship. So metaphorically and prophetically speaking, Jesus is entering into the fragrance of worship. And we know that God is moved by our worship. David tells us in the book of Psalms 22 verse 3 that God inhabits or He lives in or He's enthroned on our worship. So as Jesus is entering into Jericho, the place of fragrance, Zacchaeus is saying, I'll do whatever it takes to see Jesus. And I think it would do us awesome good when the fragrance of worship is being lifted up that we respond like Zacchaeus. When the Spirit of the Lord begins to move in us and through us and around us, we decide, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get to Jesus. And what does Zacchaeus do once he meets Jesus? First, he gives away half of his wealth. Second, it says he repays four times everything that he has stolen. Stolen. What's he doing? He's making room. Woe to you, add house to house, join field to field, and have no space left, and you live alone in the land. This doesn't mean that there's literally no one around you. It's a representation of God's presence. Zacchaeus is saying, I've got houses, I've got wealth, I've got family, but I don't have Jesus. I don't have the presence, therefore I really have nothing. I have to make room for him. And then watch what Jesus says. Today salvation has come to this house. When we make room for Jesus, salvation will come. And I believe that God is saying to us, make room for me. I have more for you than you could ever imagine. Pursue me. James, the brother of Jesus, tells us that if we pursue God, that he will come near to us. And back to 2 Kings. The Shunammite woman I believe she, though, I think she takes it to another level. Because it's good to respond to God's presence when he's passing through, and we should do that. You know, a few moments ago, I just sensed that God's tangible presence was in the room. So we just paused for a moment. We just stopped for a minute. And maybe you're not accustomed to that happening. Maybe you're like, I'm not even sure what to do in this moment. Sometimes we don't know what to do either. So rather than just plowing forward, we just wait a second and just see what God might want to say in those moments. So it's good to respond when the presence of God is coming through. But the Shunammite woman says, I don't just want you to stay for dinner. Remember, she's been cooking meals for the prophet every time he comes to town. She says, I'm making you a room so you can stay here as long as you want. I don't want you to just come occasionally just for a visit. I'm making room for you to live here. 
See, we become accustomed to short visits from the Holy Spirit. And when we sense his presence in the room during the worship or when we're together corporately, for example, or when we sense him working in our lives at home or at work, we respond to that. And that's a good thing. We should respond in those moments. But I think that we've unintentionally trained ourselves to only respond when we feel his presence, which is the opposite of faith, by the way, because faith is believing in what we do not see. We walk by by faith and not by sight. So we've trained ourselves to only respond when we feel his presence while neglecting the fact that we're supposed to be in union with him and him and us. John 17, 20, we read this last week. Jesus is praying. He says that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us that the world may believe that you sent me union together us and him him inside of us not just they played my favorite song i feel a little bit emotional the air conditioner's blowing on me just right i got the chill bumps god's in the room not that in union with him i'm living in his presence Making room for him to have access to everything in our lives. Let's not stop short. Let's not settle for occasional encounters with his presence. Let's become one with him and invite him into everything that we're doing. And honestly, I know that's backwards theologically. Because technically, God is inviting us to be a part of what he's doing. So when I say invite him into everything we're doing, what I'm saying is, is let's invite him into the mundane. Let's invite him into our commute. Let's invite him into our chores at home. Let's invite him into the laundry and the dishes and the errands. Let's become one with him so that as we're doing lives, we're in union with him. Let's make room. Woe to you at house to house, join field to field and have no space left and you live alone in the land. This verse is not an indictment on having houses or nice things. It's an indictment on filling every space that we have with things that are either significant or secondary at best. Second to the one who wants to have loving union with us. Let's slow down and build into our lives a structure and a rhythm that makes this kind of surrender routinely possible. I'm going to start to wrap this up, and I think we're going to sing another song at the end and just kind of spend some time slowing down and waiting on Him. But I want to give you some practical things. Three questions for reflection. Well, one statement, two questions. Describe your rhythms of how you study Scripture. Describe your rhythms of how you study Scripture. Number two, when and how much time do you spend alone with God? And number three, how do you structure your time with God? In other words, what do you do when you're spending time with God? What does that look like? All right, so describe your rhythms of how you study Scripture. 
When and how much time do you spend alone with God? And how do you structure your time with God? What do you do? If we can't answer these questions, there's a good chance we're not doing it at all. And if we are doing it, it's, we're probably not doing it well. Look, I know people are busy. Man, I get it. Especially if you're in a season with non-sufficient, non-sufficient little kids around. I had a full-time job, a spouse, soccer, baseball, dance, and cheer, and everything else. The list goes on. Add all of that into the mix, and your head's just spinning. You're trying to figure out, like, right? The list just goes on and on. And remember last week, we said that, that loving union with the Father is not this de facto just spending time with God. It's deeper than that. But if we can't answer these questions... Again, you can tell what someone believes by their behavior. Going back to what I said earlier, until we move beyond surface level Christianity, we'll never experience anything beyond surface level freedom or healing or life change. And I don't have it all figured out. I told you that last week. We... We've started a journey in our house that started a couple of months ago. And earlier when I said that my prayer is that we have a complete destruction and reconstruction of everything we are, that's, that's where I'm at right now. I feel like God's in the process of just destructing all of that craziness. Tired of doing more for God than I received from Him. We talked about that last week. That we often do more for Him than, than what we've received from Him can sustain. Continuing to give and to give and to give. And just empty all the time. And God doesn't want that for me and He doesn't want it for you. I don't want that anymore. And the Father is inviting us to go beyond the surface. He's inviting us to the deep end of the pool. Just like little kids, we often don't want to go because we don't, we don't really trust. You know, as our boys are learning to swim, there's a, there was a pretty long season where they would stand on the edge of the pool and they got their floaties and all this stuff. And they have to learn to trust all that. They have to learn to trust us that we're not going to let them drown. They have to learn to trust their, their swimmy, floaty puddle jumper thing. That when they jump in, even if they go under, they're going to come right back up. They have to learn to trust all of that. But we would just sit at the edge, edge of the pool and say, come on, jump. I got you. I got you. I got you. And they would just, they wanted to. But they were just too afraid. We would take their hand, kind of pull them in gently. 
Adrian will just push him in. <laughs> just kidding. But I think that's what the Father is saying to us. If you could have that mental picture. We're standing at the edge of the pool going, I don't know, I don't know how to swim. I don't, I don't trust my surroundings. I've jumped in before and I, I choked. I jumped in before and water went up my nose. I jumped in before and I sank to the bottom and I felt like nobody was going to rescue me. I trusted this person before and they let me down. I invested in this relationship and they betrayed me. God, I chased after you and I asked you to heal me and I felt like I was moving forward, but then I went backwards. I relapsed. I gave up this or that, whatever your vice might be, for a little while and then I went back and now I don't trust. I just can't. I can't anymore. I can't invest in this any longer. I can't continue to do this. And we stop. And God's saying, come on, I got you. Jump in again. Jump in again. Why don't you bow your heads just for a moment?
Listen, you know, I said that I feel like just God's in the middle of a deconstruction of my own life. I don't know exactly what that looks like personally, and I don't know what it looks like for us corporately. And maybe there are people in the room that are going, I don't know what's going on right now. This guy's fell off the wagon. Um, I just don't want to keep doing what we're doing. I'm tired of surface level. And if I'm going to make room in my life, we're going to make room in our services for him to do whatever he wants to do. And that makes some of you uncomfortable. It makes me very uncomfortable. Because who knows? What someone might say, what someone might do is, I'm not talking about a free-for-all, just jump up and swing from the lights. I'm talking about making room for the Holy Spirit to move. And, and sometimes that doesn't look like you think it should look. I would venture to say it never looks like you think it should look. But that's what this moment is about. And so, you know, again, I just want to make room for him. If you're in a place in your life and, and you need some deep healing and you want to start this journey and you want to begin to walk down this path, I just want to invite you to come down to the front. And we don't always do this. And, you know, especially since COVID hit almost two years ago, you know, we, we haven't had a lot of laying on of hands and things like that. Uh, so if you're not comfortable with that, I completely understand. But if you're just in a place where you're like, look, I'm, I'm done with surface level. I'm tired of the surface level, Christian. I'm tired of surface level healing. I'm tired of like it's starting to scab over and then and then this the something just ripping the band-aid off and all the blood just come gushing out again. I'm tired of reliving this thing over and over again. I'm tired of having to revisit this thing that's deep inside that just keeps resurfacing. Maybe it's something from way back. Maybe it's something from your childhood. Maybe it's something from a year ago. Maybe it's abuse that you've experienced on any number of levels, whether it be verbal or mental or sexual or whatever, and it just keeps coming to the surface. Maybe it's an addiction that you just can't seem to break free from. Maybe it's drugs or alcoholism or pornography or any other kind of vice. Maybe it's whatever, fill in the blank. God wants to do something deep on the inside of us so that we can move from surface level to deep level. Not just so we can have some kind of corner on the market and be like, oh, we had church today. I'm so sick of people talking about having church when we're supposed to be the church. But the reason that we're here is to be filled up so that we can go out there and carry his presence. We can't be all we're supposed to be out there until we're filled up in here. I don't mean in this place. I mean inside. Two.
too many of us are trying to do the ministry of Jesus without Jesus. And he's inviting us. And he's saying, come deeper. Get into the deep end. Get into the deep end of the water. You're not going to break your neck jumping into the deep end. If you're here and this is just spoke to you and you sense the unction or the prompting of the Holy Spirit and you would like prayer, I would invite you to come to the front and we're just going to pray and just ask that God would move inside of your life and begin the process of healing and begin the process of filling and whatever it is that you need. Maybe it's completely unrelated to what we spoke about today. Maybe it's something way far off. It wasn't even mentioned. That doesn't matter because the Bible says that God knows what you need before you even ask. Before you came here this morning, he already knew what you needed and he knew that this would be a moment that you could receive it. On behalf of Pastor Randy and the entire staff at Everyday Church, we'd like to thank you for joining us today. For more information on the church, please visit us at everydaychurch.xyz.